Welcome to the Rocks and Roots podcast, everyone. And it's been a while since our last episode, um, but we're back. And happy February to everyone. Hope you all had a happy Valentine's Day. Um, we had work, so whatever. Uh, anyway, so we have a very special guest with us today, and I will let Crank introduce our wonderful guest. Go on, Crank. Go for it. Welcome to Glowstick. Uh, Glowstick is a 2018 Appalachian Trail through hiker. She's also completed the Foothills Trail in 2022 and the Colorado Trail in 2022 as well. So you had a busy season last season. I did have a busy season last season. Um, I had a few years off after the Appalachian Trail, didn't do any through hikes, did, did do a bunch of you know, shorter backpacking trips, but I finally just had built up a lot of vacation time. And I think I was feeling really cabin feverish from the pandemic. And so in 2022, I was like, I'm going to knock out a couple of trails. Awesome. Well done. Um, and your Instagram photos of the Colorado trail are beautiful. Spectacular. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. The Colorado trail makes it easy. It is just epically beautiful. There were so many days and moments where I would just stop and be like how how is this real and how do I get to be here right now just insanely beautiful I we have never been to Colorado but I know for both of us it's on the list (laughs) yeah I just watched um what did I watch a video a few days ago of a gentleman who did this crazy um summer of runs and then did all of the 14ers in Colorado and he did Leadville that same year did the Colorado Trail that same year this guy was insane yeah that guy's way more insane than me I've only done like eight of the 14ers not in a super rush to do a bunch more of them I can't imagine doing them all in one season plus the Leadville 100 plus the Colorado Trail that's just crazy Crazy. especially because summers in Colorado are so short so to squeeze all of that in in one summer basically that's that's next level crazy. But the thing is what you, is... Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Well, I was just thinking about this. You, you don't get to enjoy it. You know, I, I know this is a huge goal of, of some, of someone's, but by Leadville, your body has been run down to nothing. And that's a hard race in and of itself. So to get all of that in, I don't know. I'd rather enjoy it and not kill myself. I would, I would have to agree. (laughs) (laughs) So how short are your summers? Like what is the summer season out there? I mean, really late June through early October. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, I mean, we still have a ton of snow up in the mountains. Sometimes even until early July depends on our snow season. And then, well, we can get snow in the mountains any time of the year. I've been yeah. stuck in snowstorms in the middle of summer in the mountains, but it really starts coming back and sticking usually early October. So that's crazy. all right. So three months ish, about yeah. So to squeeze all that in in three months is just insane. Well, how long have you been out in Colorado now? I've been here for a little over four years. Okay. So I'm I'm a I'm a bit I'm a planner, mm-hmm. and my big plan was I was living and working in Washington D.C. I knew I didn't want to stay there, 
forever. I was there for seven years. So the last couple of years I was there, I was going around to different parts of the country on my vacations, trying to figure out where I wanted to live next. And so when I went to hike the AT from DC, I quit my job in DC. I was like, I'm going to go hike the AT and then I'm going to move to Colorado. So, so that's what I did. So I hiked the AT. I went and stayed with my parents for about three months in upstate New York. And I just applied for a whole bunch of jobs in Colorado. And then I ended up coming out here. Good for you. Yeah. Living the dream. (laughs) So Um, let's talk about the AT. What possessed you to do it? Oh, I'm always down to talk about the AT, my biggest love. Okay. So back in 2013, I injured my back horribly. I herniated a disc in a group exercise class at the gym. Mm -hmm. And some people get herniated discs, they don't even know. For me, it led to like years of horrible, debilitating pain. Um, I've always been super active, really into exercise. I used to really love running. I really love like high intensity interval training, workouts, things like that. Um, But after I hurt my back, I couldn't do any of it like I couldn't sit it was horribly painful to ride the metro um I couldn't really even go out to dinner with friends because gotta be able to sit to do that (laughs) so during that time I was as you can imagine doing a lot of reading and I picked up Bill Bryson's A Walk in the Woods during that time and it's a book I had seen on bookshelves for years I used to work in environmental education um so I had, I had seen the book a million times and never picked it up. So finally, for some reason, I picked it up while I was dealing with this back injury and just fell in love with the idea of hiking the AT. And so I told myself, if I'm ever better again, if my back ever heals enough, I'm going to go hike the AT. So the idea stuck and just wouldn't let go. And I ended up getting surgery I got a spinal fusion and then went through months and months of more physical therapy and after a couple of years it actually started to feel better and I was also thinking like okay my time in DC is coming to an end I'm I don't want to live the rest of my life here I'd like to move on and so I decided I was gonna quit my job in DC DVAT and then come to Colorado Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, and what were your dates for the AT start and how long did it take? I started on March 20th, 2018, and then finished September 16th. So just shy of six months. Okay. That's so about average. standard. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. Um, we, my family definitely could have finished probably significantly sooner but we got to Maine and we were just like, oh, this is what we wanted the whole trail to be like. So we started doing like <laughs> 10 miles a day. We were in Maine, which is just over 200 miles, I think. We were in Maine for like almost a month. It was great. Good for you. That sounds, yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, I mean, we, we always comment about the AT. You know, you're, you're never far from civilization. It's basically like, while it's tough to hike no doubt it is like disney world where you can reach a town every two days at the most until maine just about (laughs) 
Totally. And then we were stopping to swim in all the amazing lakes and ponds in Maine. And we we had a 2018 was a really wet year. I was about to yeah. say. And then we got to Maine and it was sunny. Like, I think it rained for two days that we were in Maine and the rest of the time it was sunny and beautiful. So we were like, oh, we're just going to chill out and relax and and enjoy this the way that we thought we were going to do with the rest of the trail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many were in the tramley? fluctuated mm-hmm. we kind of split down the middle in vermont for various reasons okay um and then we picked up a couple my my half of the split picked up three more friends after that so i guess we finished with six people in the tramway oh okay that's, that's nice not group. a bad group yeah yeah so your trail name what is the origin of that so my trail name is Glow Sick, and I got named because the first night on the AT up on Springer Mountain, I pulled out my tent and I set it up, and inside I found a bright yellow, like cracked, glowing glow stick because I hadn't opened the tent in like six months since I'd been at a music festival. <laughs> and then I also got off the AT twice. Uh, one was for a music festival and one was for a wine festival. <laughs> so That's awesome. I became glow stick. It fits. Um, and then what were your favorite and least favorite parts? I feel like I had a lot of favorites, but definitely the top favorite was the 100 mile wilderness in Maine. It was just spectacularly beautiful. It was sunny. <laughs> It felt way more remote than a lot of parts of the AT. Just a really, really special place. I'd love to go back there sometime in like peak fall foliage. And then I also really loved the Grayson Highlands in Virginia Mm -hmm. with the wild ponies and the Great Smoky Mountains. I feel like people have really mixed things to say about the Smoky Mountains. It's kind of luck of the draw like it, it's very weather dependent but i had a yep. sunny week in the smokies so oh, i absolutely nice. loved it yeah yeah and then say the rowan highlands in tennessee as well that's great and then, yeah and then my least favorite i feel really guilty about this <laughs> I'm, I'm a native i'm a native new yorker and new york was hands down my least favorite section of the at like understandable it, yeah we were reading just, we were reading your comment and we're like, yeah, yeah, we have to agree. <laughs> yeah, I just did not like New York at all. It was horribly, horribly hot and humid while I was there, like unbearable. And then there's so many pointless ups and downs and it's so rocky. <laughs> and all the creeks while I was there were dry. So the only way to get water was through water caches, which, yep. you know, shout out to the trail angels and mm-hmm. communities for bringing the water caches they literally saved our lives but yeah the trail through new york was not for me we uh we did new york in 2018 too yes. <laughs> and yes there it was an overnight we did we were hoping to finish new york in this overnight but it was so humid 
and so miserable and so buggy and so this and that. We're like, you know, what? it's better just to come back in the fall when it's actually nice. Since we're section hikers, we can do that. <laughs> yes, I think that's smart. Um, and I'll also say, like, I'm from western New York, so several hours west of the AT through New York. And our weather in western New York is totally different. It's yeah, never it is. so hot and humid like that. Yep. Like. I just was not digging it. And then I also feel like there's all these like busy road crossings you have to go across in New York. Like I think you guys did it right going back in the fall. We had um our one of our worst it's kinda epic now because we get to tell the story, <laughs> but one of our worst days ever on trail was in uh New York, New Jersey border. Um, I don't know if you remember Vernon. It's right before you, if you're heading North, that's the last town in New Jersey before you get to New York. Um, we did a 30 mile stretch starting in New York and ending past Vernon. We did, like I said, 30 miles in one day and it was absolutely brutal. And, um, the other, my other friend that I hike with will not hike with tumbles and I ever again. He'll <laughs> hike with just me, but he will not hike with the two of us ever again because of that trip. <laughs> Because because you made them do a thirty mile day, or? and we ran out of water, like you were saying. Well, and... we did go the wrong way for the first yes. two miles. Oh no! Yeah. So we definitely, as much as there are parts of New York that I really like, but I understand where you're coming from on the negatives there. Um, and then I was thinking, as you were mentioning uh, the mountains in Tennessee, the Smokies. As more and more people are starting earlier, like a lot of people start January 1st now. I started to see the AT uh, YouTube yeah. videos going now. Wow. Yeah. So you're getting to the Smokies, like in the middle of winter, in the snow, like, of course it's going to be miserable. Yeah. and But, you know, I think, I think it's all luck of the draw, though, because... I had pretty terrible weather my first month on trail. It was really, really cold for so much of it. And that was starting March 20th. And I was meeting people from Georgia out there who were saying, you know, a month ago, it was beautiful and in the 60s and 70s every day. So I think in in the South, you just don't know yep. what you're going to get that time of the year. It could go either way. Yeah. And with the elevation, no one realizes the elevation of Georgia. You know, they're all used to, oh, it's flat and farmland. No, north of Atlanta, it is not. <laughs> no, it's really mountainous. I have a video on my YouTube channel about this, just about how hard Georgia is. You go in, no one talks about Georgia being difficult. You don't expect it. Um, but yeah, it's quite mountainous and steep, and there are a lot of pointless ups and downs, and Georgia's tough. Yeah. And, yeah. and cold. <laughs> it can be very, very cold, which I did not expect. Um, how was it cold, but what was like raining when you went through Georgia or did you snow? No, it was snowing. It was snowing. snowing. Wow. Yeah, it was snowing and icing. And our first night out there, I started with college friend. That's why I say our first night. Um, it, it snowed on us overnight. We woke up to all this snow on our tents and I, I have photos from day number two, the day we started actually our first day, it was like 60 degrees when we started, I was in shorts. And then the next day, it was like 20 degrees and everything was frozen. And Makes it was you just, question it, doesn't it, a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was sort of a like, wait, what? I thought this was the South. Like, 
it's spring. What's going on here? Where were your um, stops in Georgia? Like, you're just starting, had never done a through hike before. Like, how many miles a day did you start with, and where were your major stops? Yeah, so I got some really good advice going in. Um, they have rangers and volunteers at Amicalola that'll kind of give you a shakedown and a pep talk and they just want to make sure that all these people starting the AT are not going out there ill-equipped. Right. Um, so I had a shakedown from this ranger and he had given me some really good advice to, you know, start slow, go eight to 12 miles a day because, you know, you'll see these people racing through the first days of the trail and you'll think, Oh, I'll never see that guy again. Cause he's doing like, 15 or 20 miles right out the gate and then you'll catch up to them because they'll be injured in a town. So my hiking buddy, Ibex and I took that advice pretty seriously. And like we were just talking about the terrain in Georgia is pretty tough. So that's what we were starting out as our first week or two. And then we kind of went up from there. And so we stopped at Neil's gap just to do a resupply, yep. get a hot pizza, mm-hmm. sit, yep buy a space heater for a little while and then we stopped in Hiawassee. Oh, good. Yeah. Awesome. Very now cool. with this is your first through hike, did you do any training beforehand? Oh gosh, no, I didn't do any training at all. I I aspired to do some training and it just did not work out. <laughs> That's what most I'm, people say. <laughs> they just go yeah, cold. <laughs> yeah. And it, And it's different now because now I'm living in Colorado. But at that time, you know, I was living in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill. I was going into the office every day from nine to five. And I was doing a ton of walking, like Mm -hmm. just my lifestyle there. I was walking a lot, but I never really got my pack out to walk with it or anything like that, which I did. I did regret. I did regret. Okay. Well, you obviously got your your trail legs under you and and you made it so I did get my trail legs under me but it was a it was a slow and painful process to build up those trail legs and I think I would have done myself a big favor by (laughs) doing some training ahead of time Hmm. so if anyone out there is thinking about going on their first through hike that's my advice to you do some training we always said because winter time is usually our running time and then at the other three seasons we we go on trail and we always said that the running has helped our hiking exponentially and vice versa nice yeah so so then Um, you then you moved on and you moved west i did yeah so now i'm in boulder colorado which i absolutely love and during covid because you moved i guess in 2019 to boulder yeah, I moved here in January 2019, so I was here for just over a year before the pandemic hit, and I gotta say, I was so incredibly grateful to myself for having done that before the pandemic, because I can't imagine having lived in D.C. throughout the whole pandemic, but here in Boulder, you know, it was super easy. I was just going out hiking all the time. I was just actually curious stuff. about that with um, the pandemic. I know here in New Jersey for a hot minute, they had closed all the state parks because you could get COVID on the trail. So, um, or so they said, but um, how was it out I th- in Colorado? I think Coloradans would have rioted. <laughs> I bet yeah. they would have. We, we were rioting for sure. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there, there, were, there, there were some restrictions, I remember. Um, I don't remember specifically what they were for, say, Rocky Mountain National Park. I know that they closed all of the facilities during that time, mm-hmm. but I don't remember if you could go into the park or not. But I know there was this one trail about an hour drive from me that I wanted to go to during, like, peak pandemic, and I couldn't go to it because the county that it was in closed the county road to the trailhead and said, you can't drive on this road unless you live in this county and we are checking. That's ridiculous. Yeah, It was dumb, but it's fine. I mean, I have so many hiking trails right here in Boulder. Like it wasn't actually an issue. I was just annoyed because I wanted to go. You wanted to go there, of course. Yeah. We, during that time, that's when we did Georgia during pandemic time. Um, How was that? That quiet. was awesome. <laughs> nice and quiet. Yes. Was good. <laughs> yes. We did it in two weekends. The first was brutal. We basically got rained out. Yeah. Uh, we stopped at Neil's and it was a deluge. And we were like, okay, going home now. We'll come back next month. And we did. Yeah. That's the beauty of being a section hiker. You yes. can be a fair weather hiker. Exactly. No. Exactly. No, but we, we commented more on more than one occasion about pandemic on trail where a lot of people just didn't go out on trail and it allowed the vegetation to kind of grow back in the trail to kind of um, heal itself a little bit from all the traipsing on it over the years. So for, you know, in one respect, it was a good idea that that happened. And then just the people that were out there um, were very serious hikers so you didn't have the day hikers. You didn't have kids out there partying. It, it was a very nice time to be on trail. Nice. Yeah, that was kind of like we didn't have all the tourists and visitors in yeah. Colorado. So it's just people who live here, which was nice because we get a lot of visitors. I would imagine, I yeah. You do. <laughs> um, so talk to us about the Colorado Trail. Like, tell us, can you just give us an overview of point to point like it's highest elevation just the the quick version for those who have not been initiated and what is it did you do the foothills first or the colorado first i did the foothills trail first that was kind of the start of my training season for the colorado trail i got you that makes total sense yeah because a lot of people use the foothills trail to train for the at i have heard that and i think it's really great if you're not you know, an experienced backpacker and you want to go out and try backpacking and see how it feels and kind of have an easy experience because Foothills Trail is super, super, super well-maintained. There's signage everywhere. There are bridges everywhere. It's a very well-loved trail. You can tell they're taking really, really good care of it. Um, And it's pretty easy terrain-wise. There's one big climb up Sassafras Mountain, which is either very near the beginning of the trail or very near the end of the trail, whichever direction you go. But I, I will warn people if they're using that as a training hike for the AT, the Foothills Trail is so much easier than most of the AT. <laughs> so don't get yeah. complacent by being like, oh, that was that was easy. I'm set. I'm good. I'm, I'm ready, ready to go. Because yeah. <laughs> the AT is so much harder. So how long did that take you? Because that's only, only 77 miles long. Yeah, so I did that in eight days. Uh, I went out with a group of friends, and we deliberately did it really slow. We're just like, ah, this is our first backpacking trip in spring. We want to take our time and really enjoy it. We all, like the group of us, really love the southern forest. So we were like, 
we're going to go out and we're going to sleep till 10 a.m. and <laughs> do a few miles each day and go swimming. And so that's what we did. And it was awesome. That sounds absolutely amazing. Yeah, we actually, one of our days, we only hiked like half the day and then ended up camping on a lake and just drank wine and went swimming in the lake all day. It was awesome. Now that's a point to point as well, right? That's a point to point. Yeah. But there are some good shuttle services that make it fairly easy to plan the logistics. That's good to know. <laughs> that is very good to know. We are looking for a through hike that we can do in about a week and that fits the bill. Ah, do the Foothills Trail. I can't say enough nice things about the Foothills Trail. I absolutely loved it. And I would recommend doing it in the spring if you can. Um, Because you get, you know, you get all the flowers blooming. You get mountain laurel and azaleas and rhododendrons if you hit it right. We saw so many fireflies. We did it in mid-May. And not only did we see, like, the regular fireflies, but there are also these special fireflies in that region that are sort of in the Pisgah National Forest region. Oh, what a uh, which nice are called, park that is. Yeah, which are called blue ghosts. And they're much smaller fireflies, which you can really tell by seeing them next to like the normal ones. So they're much smaller and they give out like a whitish, bluish light. Oh. And they're they're just really rare and beautiful. And the forest was like flooded with them and it was incredible. Awesome. Okay. All right, okay. taking notes. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So let's now talk about the Colorado yeah. Trail because that's what um, I'm particularly most curious about. So, um, yeah, give us the background. How long is it? Point to point. Where does it start? End, highest point, all that good stuff. Yeah. So the Colorado Trail is a 486-mile trail, 45, 46, I forget exactly. It starts, if you're going the normal way, which for the Colorado Trail is southbound, starts at Waterton okay. Canyon, which is in Littleton, right outside of Denver. And then it goes down to Durango, which is near the New Mexico border. Um, it's The trail is a little bit longer. When you get to the Collegiate Peaks Wilderness, you have a choice to go the Collegiate West route or the Collegiate East route. And if you take the Collegiate West route, it's a little bit longer. I think that adds six miles. But... The Collegiate East route is like the traditional Colorado Trail route. The Collegiate West is the traditional Continental Divide Trail route. But the Colorado Trail Foundation allows you to pick which one you want to do. So adventure trail. Choose your own adventure at that point of the trail. Um, I would really recommend when you're choosing to choose the Collegiate West. That's the right answer in my opinion. It's higher elevation it's more epic it's harder than the collegiate east but it's well worth it i think in my opinion but yeah the colorado trail it's just the whole trail though is just spectacular it's beautiful oh the Um, the photos i'm sure don't do do it justice yeah it's just crazy beautiful and the high points of the trail i believe is 13,271 miles and you hit that between, I think between Lake City or, and Silverton, might be before Lake City. It's somewhere right around Lake City that you hit it. So down in the San Juan Mountains. Okay. Okay. Did you hit any snow? No, but I did it in, I started in August. Okay. 
not that you couldn't see patches of snow in August. You definitely could, but I don't recall seeing any. Gotcha. So I'm looking at your notes. So you did the entire thing in about a month. So you were moving fairly quickly. Yeah. So I started August 4th, finished September 4th. Cause that's just, you know, I have a full-time job. That's the amount yep. of time okay. I had to take off work. So I had to finish it in that amount of time. We actually ended up finishing one day early. I could have finished on September 5th, but we finished on September 4th. But it was your rest because... day on the 5th. <laughs> What's that? It was your rest day on the 5th. <laughs> yeah, rest day before going back to work on the 6th. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of why I planned to do it in August, knowing I only had a month to take off. I wanted time to really train for it and get fit so that I think we had to average like 16 miles a day. And then we carved in a couple of zeros. Yeah. So we, we were doing some pretty significant miles, a lot of days that were over 20 miles. But the thing is like on the AT, I only did a handful of days over 20 miles. Mm -hmm. And I feel like those days absolutely killed me. The Colorado trail terrain wise is so much easier than the AT that 20 miles didn't really feel like <laughs> that's so that strange hard, to, to hear. Honest. Like I'm we, actually... I mean, we were getting 20 miles. I'm not a super fast hiker and we were getting 20 miles in within like seven or eight hours. And then we'd be like, Oh, well, I guess we did 20 miles so we can stop for the day. But I mean, it wasn't, I didn't feel like we were, pushing ourselves that hard or that there were too many days or I was feeling super tired or anything like that. Yeah. That actually doesn't surprise me because the mountains are obviously a hell of a lot bigger, but the AT is, that's why our podcast is called rocks and roots because we are yeah. AT section hikers. The AT, as we said, like New York, there are sections that are brutal. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. <laughs> has earned its its reputation the northern half of pennsylvania is why pennsylvania has that reputation and it is valid maryland is also brutal with rocks so it does not surprise me that even though the mountains are higher that the terrain itself is easier so that is also good to know because we're taking notes because at some point it's on the list you're gonna love it when you finally get there and yeah, I agree. I feel like the AT, well, first of all, it's so many steep ups and downs mm -hmm. all the time and your knees are always literally screaming at you. And then, yeah, there's rocks and roots everywhere. You know, people always, you know, once you've done the AT, you think back and you're like, everyone always talks about how rocky Pennsylvania is, which definitely is, but so is the rest of the trail. Yes, it is. <clears throat> Where, whereas Colorado, I mean, the trails here are just so smooth and nicely graded and like, they they cared about their hikers. <laughs> yeah, there are definitely some tough sections of the Colorado Trail. Like, the Collegiate West is pretty challenging. But even then, like, when you compare it to, like, the AT, it's not, it's not that hard. <laughs> now, I'm sure you have a pretty robust trail conference in Colorado. Um I only have experience up in Washington state where they have a very robust uh, conference as well in the Cascades. And it's kind of like a co-op where you put money in and then you get stuff back. Is it the same with Colorado? I've never heard of 
of that. So honestly, I really have no idea. Oh, okay. Uh, from what you're saying, the, the trails, I'm sure on the 14ers are also very well maintained. Um, oh yeah. Because totally. that's, that's your, basically, you know, Colorado makes their money. A good portion of, of tourists go skiing and then go hiking. So, well, that's really good to, to know that people care about the trail. <laughs> and then the other thing that I'm looking at that goes back to what we were just saying about your 20 mile days being less rough than they were on the AT. Um, talk to us a little bit about, cause the trail kind of eases you into it. Yeah. So if you go southbound on the Colorado trail, which I think is the direction that makes the most sense, then people always ask me about elevation and worry about elevation. But if you start going southbound, you start at Waterston Canyon, you're gradually climbing up to the higher mountains and the higher elevation. Waterton Canyon starts you out, I think, between five and 6,000 feet. And then the high point of the trail is 13,271 feet, mm-hmm. I think. But you're gradually climbing up. Your first 100 miles is just very gradual climbing up to Breckenridge and Frisco. And then you get up high, and you pretty much stay up high. Okay. Like, Sometimes, I mean, you will come down a little bit, but for the most part, you get up to those high mountains and most of the time you're going to be above 10,000 feet. And so your body has a lot of time to adjust and just really gets used to it. And so, you know, I have people ask me like, how'd you do with the high elevation? Like, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, once you're up there, you're up there. So the first day at high elevation is really tough and you really feel it. And the second day, you might still feel it. And by the third day, your body just adjusts and it feels very normal. And like if you go, if you take the collegiate west route, you end up being above 12,000 feet for a significant portion of that. And you just get very used to being up there and it doesn't feel like anything. Um, if you go northbound on the CT, you're going to have a, a much quicker climb up to high elevation. So especially if you're coming from closer to sea level, I would really recommend going the southbound way because I think if you're going northbound, you only have a couple of days to adjust before you're up at 12,000 feet as opposed to going southbound. I mean, obviously depends on your pace, but you'd have several extra days to adjust. Makes complete sense. What are the logistics like? Because we always say, you know, on the AT, you're never more than two days away from a town. Like, where do you camp? Like, are there trail towns? What's that scene like? Logistically, the CT is super easy. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, fly into Denver. You can you can hire a shuttle, but you could just take an Uber to the trailhead at Waterton Canyon. I just took an Uber from Boulder. No big deal. It was like 45 or 50 minutes. It's even closer from Denver. Um, There's a big parking lot there. You have cell phone service there. Super easy. Jump on the trail. And then there are a bunch of towns along the way that you could stop at. Um, Your first, if you want to stop pretty early on, there's a stop. I think Bailey's only like 50 miles in. For a lot of people, their first stop going southbound is going to be either Breckenridge or Frisco. Mm -hmm. There's literally a bus that you catch like just off the trail. You can go to either of those places. Um, Continuing on. Copper, Mountain, Leadville, depending on if you take the Collegiate East or West. Well, you'll go through Twin Lakes either way. 
it's right up, up, like a mile off the trail. Um, depending on the collegiate east or west, you end up going to Buena Vista or Salida. Super easy to go to Lake City, Silverton, and in Durango. There's a lot of places you can stop along the way. Hitching in Colorado, super easy because everyone here hikes and bikes and trail runs. And Coloradans are just living their best lives. So they're super nice and happy. So they're down to help you out. There's also an airport in Durango. So once you get to the end of the trail, then pop a flight home. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that is very easy. Super wow. easy. Super, super easy. Like a lot right. of our hitches too, like the first car that went by would pick us up. Um, our toughest hitch was going into Lake City. Mm-hmm. But that's just because most of the cars that passed by the trailhead were going the opposite way. Okay. But coming out of Lake City took us like one minute to get a hitch back to the trailhead. Like it's just, I feel like this is a good, if you want to do like a longer trail, this is a good first one to do because it's just like very simple. Right. Awesome. Talk to us about Lake City because on your Instagram, you said that was your favorite trail town. And there's also a history of cannibalism there. Oh, lovely. Definitely. (laughs) I absolutely loved Lake City. It is so charming and so hiker-friendly and so walkable. Like, I just came out of there. I couldn't say enough nice things about Lake City. Um, But let's talk first about the cannibalism. Okay, so there's a cannibal story out of Lake city and they've really used it to kind of be really like campy and kitschy about it. Like they have different things named after the cannibal. Like <laughs> there's a, there's like this saloon and grill named after the cannibal. There's a plateau named after the cannibal. Like they really leaned into the cannibal thing, Never. which I found really funny. Works. <laughs> so back in the 1800s, when everybody was trying to strike gold, there was this expedition of like 20 dudes who set out from Utah and they wanted to get to Breckenridge because they heard there was a bunch of gold in Breckenridge and they wanted to get there before, you know, the gold was taken up by all these other people. And so they started their expedition and they didn't go at the best time of the year. And they ended up in some trouble in the San Juan mountains in Colorado, which are pretty intense, very snowy mountains. And they were sort of rescued by this Native American tribe. And the chief of the tribe, Chief Ure, had told them, like, look, you guys shouldn't keep trying to pass through these mountains in the winter. It's super dangerous. We wouldn't do it. We don't recommend (laughs) you do it. We will feed you and give you housing until winter is over, and then you can continue in the spring. And a lot of them took his advice, but... Six people did not, and this included this guy, Alfred Packer, and these five guys that he convinced, like, hey, I'm a, I'm a wilderness guide. I can safely get you through these mountains. Like, we should not wait. That gold is going to be gone. Like, I can get you through. We should go. So these five guys agreed to go with him. And next thing you know, a couple of months later, Alfred Packer shows up in town at a saloon or something, And none of these other guys are there. And he doesn't look like he has been starving. He's got a bunch of wallets. (laughs) He's got a bunch of watches. Oh, that's awesome. And and so people are like, yo, where's the rest of your crew? It's like, what crew? He's like, like, oh, those guys, they abandoned me and left me for dead. And I've been starving and all this stuff. 
but they're like, you don't look like you're starving. What's going on here? And then allegedly these Native Americans came through and they were like, yo, we found some evidence of like <laughs> cannibalism. Mm-hmm. And so this search party goes out looking for these guys and they find them all dead and they have been cannibalized. Awesome. Ooh. And so then he, he ends up having to admit it, but he, <laughs> there's still a question though, like if he murdered them first. Yeah, did they or... die? Yeah. Right. No one really knows what happened out there, but but they do know that Alfred Packer ate these guys. And also they think that he got a taste for the for the human flesh because like some of the guys, just like the choice parts of them were taken yep. and like the other guys weren't fully eaten. And so, yeah, that's Alfred Packer. So and like the rump roast yeah. over the ribeye, I guess. I don't... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kind um, of. <laughs> this all happened in the mountains right outside of Lake City. So okay. they kind of make a thing of it. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, if you read the actual um, Thomas Harris books, um, Silence of the Lambs, Red Dr- like they he goes, because he did a lot of research, and he goes into detail, and like he actually tells you what the choice parts of the human body are. Oh, I think some of it was, like, around the chest is where Alfred Packer was eating. (laughs) Yup, brain is supposedly a choice item. Um, (laughs) Tumbles is not doing well with his (laughs) cards. So, that is really cool. I'm reading, um, it's a book called Astoria about the first American colony out west, uh, fur traders, and they had a similar experience they end up in the mountains when they shouldn't um they are starving and they were also sheltered by native americans for the winter um but they all decided to actually stay and more of them survived because of it that was the right decision obviously yes oh and if if you're interested in this alfred packer story might i recommend cannibal the musical (laughs) okay it's, uh, it's this 1993 film by the guys who uh, made South Park. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> Matt Stone, it's, Trey Parker. It's it's really, really ridiculous and funny. We watched it, actually. Uh, we downloaded it in Lake City and watched it up on the trail. So. <laughs> oh, that's All awesome. Right, I know what we're doing next weekend, Tumbles. Okay. <laughs> I, I can't say that I think it's super accurate, but I do think it's worth a watch. All right. Okay. Yeah, they do their amazing satirist. Obviously, South Park's been on the air for 27 years. Um, But they do a lot of historical stuff like that. The Book of Mormon is kind of a similar thing, a musical out of historical events with a huge amount of satire. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So So on the trail... What was your least favorite part? Was there a least favorite part? Good recovery, Tumbles, because yeah, I was off in cannibal land. <laughs> uh, my least favorite part of the Colorado Trail? Uh, I mean, everybody kind of tells you the first 100 miles are the least impressive part. So that's between Waterton Canyon and the jump off to Breckenridge and Frisco. That's at mile, like, 103.7, I want to say. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I would agree, like... When you're in the lower elevations in the middle of summer in Colorado, it's really, really hot. Like, we get 
90 to 100 degree days on the regular down in the foothills and down near Denver. So didn't super love that. You go through pretty early on in the trail, you go through a big burn area, mm-hmm. which is really exposed. Um, so for that section, I want to say that's like segment two, like the Colorado trails broken up into segments, which I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to, but section hikers pay a lot of attention to that. So I want to say segment two is just all burnt and pretty low elevation, really exposed, really, really hot. So I went through that section just with my friend Ibex. We had another friend, Dory, join us later in the trail. He had COVID at the beginning, which is why he was late. But anyway, the two of us are not early birds at all, but we got up at like 4 a.m. to hike through this section. And I would really recommend doing that because we had really pleasant temperatures. Like there's no water for 10 miles, at least maybe over 10 miles which was fine when the weather wasn't crazy, but I read so many stories on far out about people like going through that section and getting super dehydrated and throwing up all over. And for us, like we had to get up early, but like that was it. It was fine otherwise. So So that's a little tip. You would end your day around noon or so, or would you just go until it got too hot? No, I mean, this that burnt section, I want to say, is like 12 miles or something. So okay. you just want to get through that burnt section before it gets really hot. Gotcha. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, no coverage. Um, It's good to know that gut hook, we use, we call it gut, gut hook Yeah, still. yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I, I had to switch to saying far out because on my YouTube channel, people complain if I say gut hook. And they're like, you don't know what you're talking about. It's not called that. Like, oh, okay, YouTube right. commenters, lovely. Um, yeah, anyway, anyway it, I've, I've made the switch so far out. Okay. It's right. good to know that they have a, a map for the Colorado Trail. That is awesome. Yeah. So. Um, can, can we go back for a second to Lake City? I wanted of to course. say some yeah. nice things about Lake City. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so like I said, I have so many nice things about to say about that place. Um. There's a local church that has put a lot of effort into making the town more hiker-friendly and making the town a more hiker-friendly destination. And I really feel like the community has rallied behind that idea. And they used to not really know what the hikers were doing there and whatever. And now it's like the whole community knows why you're there. And this church has a hiker center that you can go to. Um, where you can go charge your devices and get free tea and coffee. And there's like an art station and there's amazing hiker boxes. And every Sunday night in the summer, they hold these hiker dinners where the community comes together and, and just makes this giant buffet for the hikers and like claps when they come through the line. And they're just super generous and super kind and they want to chat with you And it's just a really nice experience. And I hope that someday when I go back and do the Continental Divide Trail, that I make it to Lake City in the time that these hiker dinners are happening because it was just every hiker's dream. Um, And in addition to that, Lake City has everything you could want. Like there's a post office right next to a laundromat, not far from the grocery store, not far from the bakery, which is so incredible that I went three times and packed out like two days worth of food from the bakery. There's an amazing breakfast place called the Hangout in Euphoria. 
the town's very walkable. It's just, it's just that awesome. Great. So I, I just like wanted to give a shout out to Lake City. Like, yeah. such nice people there, too. Like, just incredibly kind and generous. I mean, we've experienced awesome. that churches do tend to come through more often than not when it comes to the yep. hiker, the hiker community. Heck yes. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. So the pastor of this church mm-hmm. who has really built the hiker center and done all this work for hikers in the town, he was telling me that before he moved to Lake city, he a long time ago used to live in Duncan in Pennsylvania. And he actually was really instrumental in putting together the hiker center in Duncan in Pennsylvania. Really? So I was like, ah, oh, I've been there too. And it was That's awesome. That's amazing. Yes. We love that center. Duncan, yes, we love that center. And Duncannon is an amazing trail town. Um, I'm assuming all of our listeners should be at least familiar because that's like a major spot on the AT. That's really cool. Home of the Doyle. Yeah. Awesome. I love Very it. Very nice. There is also, um, when you were going through Vermont, um, I think Kyle had mentioned this once about a mm-hmm. another church that put on dinners for the hikers and stuff like that, but it was more of a cult than anything else. Oh, oh no, no, there is a cult. Yeah. Oh, okay. The there is tribes. a cult. It's, okay. No, it's, it's a legit, it's a legit cult. The 12 tribes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shoot. <laughs> um, so, so they have a hiker hostel and a yellow deli restaurant. In yes. Yep. And then they invite hikers that are staying at the hiker hostel to come to their Friday night Sabbath celebration dinners, which I did when I went through. Um, the food was amazing. And then they actually have a yellow deli in Boulder, where I live now. Really? Yeah. So they're all over the country and all over the world. Um, they started in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I think. But yeah, yeah. They're they're not just a church. They're actually a cult. A cult. Yeah, and they, from what we understand, they use their outreach, not for outreach, but for recruitment. Yeah, so when I was there, actually, my, like, quote-unquote waitress at the Yellow Deli was a former southbound AT thru-hiker who got down to Rutland and then Rutland, stopped yes. and, and joined. So Oh, shit. No kidding. You don't, if you don't want to join a cult, be very wary. Yeah. Wow. The 12 times in the Yellow Deli. But the food is really delicious. That's wild. We're going. We're going. (laughs) That is disturbing, but makes total sense because there are a lot of people who are out doing through hikes and hiking because they have some sort of emotional thing going on, some sort of psychological thing going on. And if you're in a vulnerable place and there's, you know, a a ready, quote unquote, ready made family, I could definitely see how they would take advantage of that. Absolutely. And apparently in order to join, you have to give up all your money and possessions. And so then you're going to you're going to be stuck there like you're not going to have an easy way out. And. You know, I think people can make up their own minds whether they want to go to the hiker hostel and the restaurant. I think it's a really interesting cultural experience. I would do it again. But I would also be very wary. Um, And I actually, I was at a party here in Boulder, like over Halloween weekend, and I met a girl who had, or a woman who had grown up in the 12 tribes. And we chatted about it for a few minutes. And, you know, she told me that there was a lot of, abuse growing up in the cult and there's a yeah and there's a hulu uh 
kind of docu-series that each episode is about a different cult and there's an episode about the 12 tribes and it does talk about the child abuse and so you know i don't i don't want to say like go support them and go have this experience i do think it's really interesting but on the other hand like i think ultimately they're not great you know right well yeah obviously but like that is part of the reason that we are out there to meet people from different parts of the country and experience things. Um, when you stayed at the hostel, did they separate? Because again, we've just heard from YouTube videos. Kyle hates hiking, did an awesome video on them. Um, do they separate by gender for the hostel? They do, which I loved actually. Okay. So, yeah, so there's, um, there, you know, there's a men's bunk and a women's bunk and the men's bunk when I was there because more, way more men hiked the AT, the men's bunk was like, full. the women's bunk was pretty empty, just like really pleasant experience. And I also felt like as a woman on the trail, I did hike with other women, but like the women of my traveling are not like the girliest girls out there. And I'm pretty feminine and like, I'm a girly girl even though I like outdoor stuff and whatnot. So I was always like, I got to find like a girly female friend to join our family. Like mm-hmm. I need someone backing me up when you guys are watching cartoons and like doing all the stuff that bros do. I'm like, I need a girly girl to back me up and hang out with me. And which I never found <laughs> or at least never recruited to join the family. But then at this hostel, the hiker hostel in Rutland, I was like in this dorm full of girls. And I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Like, I got to talk about my relationship problems and like girl stuff. And I, I had a great time with the separation. The guys are like, a bunk was so full and then, and then I was like, well, I'm having a great time. So. <laughs> All right. But that, yeah, that is good to know. Thank you for filling in some of the gaps on that for us. Um, so before we start to wrap up, is there anything else about the Colorado trail that you wanted to mention that you didn't think we got to that you um, want to kind of get out there for our listeners. There's a lot of wildlife on the Colorado trail. I saw a lot of wildlife. Um, My very first day in Waterton Canyon. So it Waterton Canyon, there's like no shade. It's very hot because you're doing it in the middle of the summer. Like I said, we have like 90 to hundred degree days here every day down in the lower elevations in the summer. So, um, my friend Ibex and I, we started the trail in the evening, on like a Thursday evening after I got out of work. And so we're hiking through there in the evening, and we just saw so much wildlife just in the canyon. It's a 6.7-mile section. We saw a bear swimming around in the river. We saw a oh beaver. God. Yeah, we saw bighorn sheep. We saw an owl. We saw this huge spider that had been paralyzed by this wasp and the wasp was like taking it off somewhere it was just that was day one like the first few hours of our hike holy shit that's incredible um tumbles is not with me on this but i am itching to see a bear so the fact that you saw one on your first day and all that other wildlife you got it over with well done (laughs) yeah day one wait have you guys done the new jersey section of the at yet yeah And you didn't see a bear? Nope. Because we were too loud. Oh, man. We're too loud. Yeah, we, yeah, we are loud. We've seen <laughs> scat, 
everywhere. Shenandoah, we saw lots of scat. We saw evidence, but we're too loud. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Um, the Shenandoah Bears have always eluded me as well. Like, even living okay. in D.C., going down there all the time to hike, I never saw a Shenandoah Bear. It'd always be like, I'd come around a corner and someone would be like, there was a bear right there. Where? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But okay. on the Colorado Trail, actually, aside from just having seen one in Waterson Canyon, there were signs everywhere and far out comments for the first, gosh, I want to say like 40 miles or something of the trail, just about how these bears were like coming into people's tents and all this stuff. There's some bad bears apparently near Denver on the Colorado Trail, which is a good reminder for people to properly store your food because I, I assume since, uh, this section is so close to Denver. That means people are going out there and probably aren't used to camping and not properly yep. storing their food and luring in these bears. So, are there bear boxes along the trail? Are there? Canisters, I guess that's kind of what I was getting to yeah. with my other question. Are there like shelters along the Colorado Trail, or how does that? No, no shelters. Uh, no bear boxes. So you have to do hangs or canisters. So hangs are really tough just yeah, because <laughs> you're in the mountains. Duh, well, right yeah. A lot of the time you're above tree line, but even yeah. if you're not like just the pine trees that we have, yeah. don't tend to have a lot of limbs. It's tough. I hate bear canisters. I'll do anything not to carry a bear canister. I just, I brought an ursac oh, and yeah. that works great for me, you know, just tied to a tree trunk away okay. from camp. Great. Don't worry about it. Um, I did. I had a, just like I was bear hanging on the AT and I hated it. Um, and so this has been a great solution for me. The Ursac's a little heavier than like my Z-Pack's food bag, but it's great. You just tie it to a tree and you're good. Yeah. And the, um, the thinking on bear hangs has changed in the last couple of years because people don't do them right. Um, so I'm sure I was not doing them right. And I just hated doing it. So, yeah. So people are like, the thinking is just, don't get a canister, get an ursac, uh, use, you know, if they have stuff at your shelter site. So yeah, the thinking on that has completely changed within the last few years. Yeah, I highly recommend an ursac, like wherever they're allowed. Um, I just think they're so easy. And, you know, they're not completely bear proof, like bears. I have heard of bears getting into them, but they don't usually. And it's at least some protection and low effort. Awesome. One more question on Colorado Trail before we wrap up into our final question. Um, it doesn't sound like it, but permits, yes or no? You don't need a permit except for That's this right. very, very small half mile section if you decide to do the Collegiate East. Okay. It's, it's just in this state land that is for hunters or something and so you technically have to get a permit for this like half mile section if you're doing the collegiate west you don't have to worry about it and i would imagine not a lot of people actually get the permit and just i imagine that as well but i i didn't want to be the one to be like oh you don't really have to <laughs> i don't know no, no, no. i don't know so i've done the collegiate east actually separately i did buy the permit just because i was like if there is someone there, I don't want to get fined. Yep. But I imagine a lot of people just like 
quickly go through there yeah. and don't worry about it. Okay. Okay. Awesome. And then uh, we can no longer call it Trail Tales because Trail Tales is actually back. But do you have a story that you would like to share that our listeners might find interesting? Yeah. So on the, on the topic of wildlife on the Colorado Trail, I actually, while I was on the CT, I saw my very first mountain lion. Awesome. Very exciting and scary. Scary. <laughs> scary. So living in Boulder, like, I know that we have mountain lions around here. Like, they come into the city sometimes. And, like, I've done night hiking here. I know they're around, obviously, all over Colorado. And I'm sure they've seen me before. I've seen Prince before. But I have never seen a mountain lion before. And so finally, I was on the CT. My friends and I were hiking from Hopper to almost like toward Leadville, mm-hmm. almost down to Leadville. So we came up a couple of mountain passes and we had come out of town that day. So we got a late start. I want to say we didn't start until like noon or one. So we were hiking later in the day and we were all spread out at this point in the day. It was like 7.30 p.m. I was coming down from Kokomo Pass and had just like this big thunderstorm kept threatening to come in. And so I was so pumped to get down below tree line because I was like, if this storm comes in, I don't want to be above tree line. If you guys don't know, that's a really good way to get struck by lightning yes. is being above tree line during a thunderstorm. And we have a lot of thunderstorms in Colorado, especially in the afternoons in the summer. So anyway, I was relieved to get down below tree line. I get back down into the forest and I come around the corner and there in the middle of the trail is this absolutely freaking massive mountain lion. They're always in the middle of trail too. Whenever I hear a story, they're always right <laughs> in the was, middle of the trail. It was just sitting in the middle of the trail. And this thing, I mean, I've seen mountain lions at zoos before. I've never seen one in the wild. And this thing was like three times as big as the ones I've seen at zoos. It was crazy. Um, luckily, it just took one look at me and took off in the other direction. Unfortunately, though, the direction that it went was the same direction that the trail went. (laughs) It ran into this patch of woods, which the trail just kind of skirted around. And so I stood there for a minute thinking like, okay, what do I, what do I do? I don't want to go toward where the mountain lion just went. So I stopped for a minute and I checked my phone to see if I had service. My friend Dory was behind me somewhere. I didn't know how far back he was. So I was going to try to see if I could call him, if I had service to see how far away he was. Um, he, I didn't have service. And he ended up being like half an hour, an hour behind me or something anyway. But eventually I was just like, well, guess I'll get on my pepper spray and I'll just go because I can't stay here all night. And yeah. hopefully, this, hopefully this mountain lion doesn't eat me. And so I went and I kind of cut down around the trail so I didn't have to go right next to the woods where the mountain lion had run. And then I continued on my way. I got about maybe 0.2 down the trail and there was this old man setting up his tent. And I stopped and told him like, oh man, I just saw this big mountain lion. And he was so calm and he was like so nonchalant about it. And he first asked me like, oh, who's a male or female? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) That is a good question because like any animal, if it's female and there's young, that's far more dangerous than, so it's good. That's not actually, that's not true actually. Really? 
So I went on this deep dive about black bears recently, and they get the reputation that most attacks are mama bears, right? Like mm-hmm. protecting right. their young. Yeah, that's, that's the. That's not true. That's not true. Really. Most most black bear attacks are like teenage male bears, young male bears who don't know how to hunt yet, don't know how to get food. They're really hungry, and so they'll go for anything, and they'll ah, okay prey on humans. Oh boy. Okay. All right. That makes sense. No. Cool. Thank you. Thank that you. is good. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but anyway, so this guy was, like, so unfazed. He was, like, only camping, like, 0.2 away from where I just seen this thing. He didn't care at all. Um, so then I continued on the trail, and I get to where my friend Ibex had set up her tent. I set up right next to her, like, two feet away from her tent. And then our friend Dory comes down maybe a half hour, an hour later, and Ibex is like, guess what Stick just saw? And before I could even tell him where it was, he's like, I know where it was. I felt something watching me. And he describes the spot. And I was like, oh, your intuition's good, Dory. That's exactly where it was. Oh, that's freaky. That is oh. awesome that our central nervous system, even after millions of years, well, not millions, um, <laughs> hundreds of thousands of years, is still attuned to when there's potential predators around us. That is really cool. Yeah, it's crazy, right? awesome that is that is a good story yeah so i am envious of the animals that you have seen we gotta shut the hell up tumbles when we're out there so we see more <laughs> i'm um, gonna talk louder <laughs> that, <laughs> but that's our time like of like bitching about work and like working through shit so we're always like yeah, that, that's our therapy session out there <laughs> yes oh do you guys work together no no <laughs> oh just bitching about your separate jobs. oh yes together. yes 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 <laughs> Got you. So, um, awesome. Thank you so much. Awesome. Yeah. Was there anything else that you wanted to get out there before we have you do all your plugs? I don't think so. Maybe, maybe like what trails I'm doing next. Yes. Yes. I was just gonna say, what's your next trail? My so this year I'm planning in the spring I'm gonna do the Trans Catalina Trail. That's a 38-mile trail on Catalina Island off the coast of Los Angeles. Oh, how nice. Yeah, and then in the summer, I'm going to do the John Muir Trail in California. You got a permit. I got a permit. Congratulations. Thank you. The easiest way to get permits for the JMT is like a backdoor permit through the Indio National Forest, either through going through Cottonwood Pass or Cottonwood Lakes. It adds a little bit, so instead of being 211 miles, it's going to end up being like 240, I think. But I got okay. a permit out of Cottonwood Lakes, so That's I'm awesome. really pumped. We and were... I, I don't mind making it a little longer. That's okay with Oh, me. absolutely not. Um, yeah, we were on a tiny, tiny section this past summer. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. In I, you know, I'd initially, I'd initially been thinking about doing the PCT this year, but it just didn't feel like the right time with my job and everything, so... I was like, well, I kind of still want to get out there and experience a little bit of it. And I think, you know, it'll make me more excited for the future when I eventually do get to PCT. So I'm pumped. And when you're done, we would love to chat with you about the JMT. Yes. Yeah, I'm totally down for that. Awesome. And then later in the fall, I think I'm going to be going down to Patagonia. So that's my hiking for the year. That's awesome. I'm super jelly. (laughs) Yes, we are green with envy. That is awesome. (laughs) Are you going north or south on John Muir? North. Cool. Very cool. 
All right. Um, if you would like to do all of your plugs, you have a fabulous YouTube channel, a great Instagram. So, and then anything else that you want to get out there, plug away. Yeah. So you can find me on YouTube at Audrey Adventures, on Instagram at Audie Payne, and on TikTok at Audie Payne. Fantastic. Yeah. Go on Audrey's uh, YouTube channel because she has great tips and tricks for getting on trail. She has her own interview section, interviewing hikers. Um, it's a very well-rounded channel, for sure. Oh, thank you. You're very welcome. Our and I, I noticed on your Instagram, you love your pastels. You love your purples and your pinks, and you, I see you wearing those colors all the time. I told you guys, I'm a girly girl. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love your colors. I definitely love all my different printed leggings yeah. and things and bright colors and all the good stuff. Fantastic. Well, yes, everyone go check out her stuff. It is well worth it. And with that, Audrey, that's been over an hour. So again, thank you so much for coming on to chat with us about all your adventures. It was so such a pleasure to chat with you. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on. It's my favorite topic, talking about all the hikes. So I'm always happy to do it. Awesome. Our pleasure, and we will definitely talk to you again um, in the fall or, or during our downtime in the winter um, to get, um, definitely, we want to hear about the John Muir Trail. Sounds so. great. By the way, awesome. what section are you guys doing this year? Don't know yet. Yeah, we're going to talk about that next week, I think. <laughs> yes. Oh, nice. Well, but the trail is getting farther is. and farther up on, on our list, I think. Yeah. The Colorado Trail? The Foothills. Oh, the Foothills Trail. Oh, you should totally do it. It's awesome. Yeah. AT stuff is either going to be Vermont-focused or Virginia-focused south of Shenandoah, like immediately south, yeah. um, like at the park exit. <laughs> um, oh, okay, well, if you do that section, you should also do that in the spring for the same reason, like all the wildflowers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or... <laughs> A mix of the two, but we're also into, um, I want to do stuff up in the whites. We're into the Adirondacks. There's a fire tower challenge in the cats. We're all over the goddamn place. So. <laughs> you got a lot to do. Oh, Lots yes. To to. Yes. We won't be all bored. All right. Thank you so much. And we will talk again. All right. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye. All right, y'all, that was such a wonderful chat, and that hour and, like, 10 minutes went by super fast, and uh, Audrey, once again, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, granted, our TikTok and our Instagram is not as colorful or as awesome as Audrey's at the moment, but we promise we will change that. Anyway, if you are curious and seeing our shit, so go onto the Instagrams, into the TikToks, uh rocks and roots podcast just type that in you'll find us cranks always posting uh we have been on a running streak for the winter time uh since we are running a pretty big race next month which is taking place on march 18th at the jersey shore and we will explain more of that as that gets closer all i know is we've been running long long distances and we've not killed ourselves yet Woo! Go us. Five. I don't know about you, but it takes me five fucking hours at this point. Because I'm up to 20 miles. And it's like, I tell Mrs. Cranky, I'm going for a run. <laughs> I will see you this afternoon. Love and you. it's the morning. 
nine o'clock. I'm like, I'll see you at two. Yeah, I, I have to kind of juggle my a schedule now more because tomorrow is a 17 miler for me and it's going to be done on the hamster wheel. I don't know how you do that. That's, oh my God, it's going to be brutal. I know. Um, I figure I have like videos saved on YouTube, like last year's New York City Marathon. I'm going to watch from beginning to end. And I have watch some a couple movies. Last of Us, I have to finish. Um, and I'm rewatching Game of Thrones. So I have tons of tons of media to entertain myself. But there is actually, um, which I could put in the show notes um, on the very bottom. Uh, a website I found how to deal with boredom on the treadmill in your okay. long runs. So I will share that with you and I'll share that with everybody. Anywho, yes. that's all it, um, there is to, uh, to talk about right now. We will be back at you next week. Anything else? No, we need to talk about The Last of Us when we get together, though. Oh, yeah. Pedro Pascal. He's my favorite new person now. Okay. All right, y'all. That's it. Ciao. Bye.